0: From the gift laden studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in the Christmas City of Bethlehem, PA, it is time for another nicely wrapped episode of Chemical Free Horticultural Hijinks You Bet Your Garden. I'm your ho ho host, Mike McGrath. He's making a list and he's checking it twice. Have you been naughty or have you been nice? On today's show, we'll discuss a slew of great last minute gifts for gardeners and perhaps yourself. Plus your fabulous phone calls. Yes, we will be taking your telecommunicated questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and haughty holiday honorariums. So keep your eyes and our ears right here, cats and kittens, because we're going to pepper you with essential garden and composting goodies right after this.
1: Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com.
0: Welcome back to a special holiday edition of You Bet Your Garden. I'm your ho-ho host, that's ho with an e at the end, Mike McGrath, and yes, I look ridiculous. I'm happy to do it. I hope it puts a smile on your face. Ducky, can you breathe in there? Coming up later in the show, actually at the very end of the show, but you know that already, I'm going to run down a plethora, a veritable plethora of last-minute Christmas gifts for, I don't know, your gardening gifty or whatever, how do you want to say it? But Foist, I want to show you one of the things I always talk about and tell you about a couple of books that I think are very special. Jake, pan in to our rosemary tree. Um, It was really hard to find uh, rosemary trees this year. There was a lot of Christmas rosemary for sale, but it wasn't in the uh, tree form. And I got this one at Whole Foods. It was marked $9.99, and I only paid $14.99 for it. Yes, I saved the receipt. They'll give me 5 bucks back. But these are fabulous for the holidays. Uh, All you have to do is rub the branches, and you've got that fabulous rosemary fragrance in the air. Whether it costs you $10 or $15, that's more rosemary than you would get buying in any other form. And if you live anywhere other than like Minnesota or Wisconsin or one of the colder climates, you can plant it outside after the holidays. Even if you live in a frigid zone, you can keep it alive inside. Make sure it stays well watered. These things are very pot bound when you get them. And plant it outside in the spring or move it into a bigger pot outside in the spring so you can bring it in again over winter. People in climbs in the city of Philadelphia and South can plant it in a protected spot and it will be perennialized. I saw fabulous rosemary trees in a community garden on South Street that were surrounded by walls. That's the best place for them, they were huge. Books, we got books. My first suggestion, I'm just a victim of circumstance, How to Hack Country Living, a season-by-season pandemic and post-pandemic survival guide written by Jacob Chaflin and Jesse Liebman. Um, you may remember Jacob from his previous appearances on the show. He works for Laurel Valley Soils, I guess the name of the company is, and he is an expert on every type of compost and soil mixture. So he has decided to write a book about moving from the city to the country, a classic idea in the gardening tradition. I'm trying to think of uh, five acres and independence and and other books that try to help you prepare for the concept of septic tanks and chicken keeping and oh, all the wonderful things you discover when you buy an old home in the country. <sighs> okay, Jake, good work. Thank you. Anybody on your list would be thrilled to be gifted with Leslie Halleck's Tiny Plants, Discover the joys of growing and collecting itty-bitty houseplants. If you're a regular listener and or watcher, you may remember our interview with Leslie, I believe earlier this year, Um, I was entranced. She is a fascinating person and she has like six million houseplants in an apartment in Manhattan. I already sent this book, a gift copy, I paid for it kids to my sister-in-law, Maureen, and she loves it, okay? You can't get better than that. I'm jealous of her houseplants. Mike McGrath's mini-book of garden beds and composting. How did this get in here? Anyway, this is a special book I wrote earlier this year for Green's Fence Company. That's G-R-E-E-N-E-S. They are the biggest supplier of cedar, um, American-made uh, compost bins, and all sorts of different raised bed kits. So I have a raised bed on legs from them, that's it's outside my house, that is currently blooming with saffron, the fall crocus. It's all good. Anyway, um, when I checked the availability, green seemed to have it, but I wasn't sure. And Amazon had it, but they were down to one copy. So, before you forget, call now. We end, not the show, but this segment, with, um, God, how much does this thing weigh? Robert Korick, Sustainable Food Gardens. Robert is an old friend. Um, He is an organic gardening pioneer who first became known for his book on gray water recycling your household water to water your garden, which out west and in other water-shy communities is virtually essential. You also can use gray water instead of city water if you are on tap water and avoid the chlorine and the fluoride and perhaps the aluminum used to separate the solids from the water, which is probably more information than you wanted to know. But there she is. After that, Robert wrote a great book on the roots of plants with tons of fabulous illustrations. And now Robert tells me, I I guess he's my age, you know, and he has the sense to retire, that this is his last book. It's called Sustainable Food Gardens, Myths and Solutions, and it's from Metamorphic Press. I love that. This thing is how many pages? Come on. Uh, There's 400. Over 400 pages. I'm not going to look this stuff up. Um, I recommend it highly. Um, You know, it'll, it'll take you a while to read it, but I think you'll get a lot out of it. All right. Enough from me. Now, more of me taking your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Barbara, welcome to You Bet Your Garden.
2: Hi, how you doing?
0: I am just ducky. Thanks for asking, Barb. How are you? We're doing just great. And where is Barb doing great?
2: Hamas Springs, New Mexico.
0: Oh, okay. So New Mexico, what like corner?
2: Uh, We're about 45 miles west of Santa Fe.
0: Okay. Boy, that is a a wonderful area there. That's where I saw... It's so
2: beautiful.
0: That's where I saw the uh, habanero trees. Because they never got frosted, they would continue to grow year after year.
2: They do in some places.
0: Yeah. So uh, what can we do for Barb in New Mexico?
2: Well what I am facing right now is I'm trying to um basically revegetate some land that we live on.
3: Mm-hmm. I
2: think it was previously gardened mm-hmm. and because of the water situation that we have out west,
0: right, decided yeah.
2: that I'd like to put sort of more native plants and grasses uh in the in the yard.
0: Gotcha. What I
2: have found is that when I put the seeds down, things were not germinating and not growing, what I determined is I think part of my problem is is ants, and I think they're harvester ants, and I wasn't sure. I really don't want to, you know, put anything down to try and get rid of them because um, we have lots of lizards in the area, and I figured that they probably make their dinner off the ants, right. and um, so I was just trying to come up with a way that I could plant seeds and not lose them to the harvester ant that we have in the area.
0: That's a tough one, Barb, um, because uh, a lot of these uh, desert ants, for lack of a better word, um, are actually felt to be beneficial in some cases because the seeds they're eating are weed seeds. Uh, But you're never going to stop them from doing it. And you don't have to. In your climate, I would start the seeds in containers on like a picnic table or something like that that's elevated, and when the plants get to be a couple of months old, then I would plant them in the ground, but I would surround the root ball of the plant with either diatomaceous earth, which is known uh, as DE. Uh, Diatomaceous Earth is a really unusual um, player in this game. It is mined in vast quantities from what used to be oceans in New Jersey. And it feels like flour to us, but on a microscopic level, it is super sharp. And if you simply line the hole with diatomaceous Earth or sharp sand... Um, maybe even perlite, but I would go with DE and or sharp sand, then they won't be able to get to the plants until the plants maybe have grown a little bit higher. Have you had any plants attacked?
2: You know, the only plants I've seen the ants on are, um, you know, as a sunflower, we have a lot of Maximilian sunflowers kind of growing around. Right. And as the sunflowers are dying down, um i i leave them on you know on the stems for a while because we have some uh, birds that like to eat those seeds but i'll uh, after a bit i'll cut them down and lay them down on the ground mm-hmm. and the ants will just kind of cover the stalks and the seed ends uh eating those carrying those off
0: Oh, but my goodness. Lot, you You're know... encouraging them, <laughs> Barb. Come on. You can't say keep out of my <laughs> diner and keep putting out fresh sandwiches. <laughs> no, when they... Uh... Well,
2: I really didn't realize it until oh, yeah. it was too late, I guess.
0: <laughs> no, uh, this is not uncommon with ants, again, especially in desert environments. So I applaud you leaving uh, the seeds for the birds. But as soon as that part is over, um, you know, cut the heads off, and if there's any seeds inside, save them for next year, or just uh, compost them, or whatever you can do. There, uh, you might even okay. you might even collect a ton of seed heads and keep them because the the seeds will dry out, especially where you are. And then in the spring, when you you put stuff in the ground, uh, scatter those seed heads far away. Oh, go
2: away. Right. They
0: won't need your young plants. And I would encourage you to start your plants because where you are, you don't need any special equipment. Just need some containers, some potting soil, a little bit of compost and water. And um, we've done a lot of Uh, questions of the week on water harvesting. So Mm -hmm. if if you don't have enough water to use, I would encourage you to look into gray water systems and um, rain barrels because you do get, you have a monsoon season, right?
2: We did this year. Last year it was not a, we had very little rain over the monsoon. This year we had a little bit more. I think this year we've probably gotten a total of around uh, maybe six inches where we live.
0: Ugh, yeah, It's not for the timber. And we
2: do have a water re- – <laughs> no, it isn't. And we do have a very nice water recovery system, but you do Excellent. have to get a little bit of rain in order to recover it.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, don't forget, a gray water system would pipe out the water uh, from your bathtubs or showers and your, uh, and your sinks. You don't obviously you don't want to use water de toilette, um, and you don't want no. to and you don't want to use washing machine water. But there's a lot of water that oh, go okay. that goes down the drain that you could recover. But the thing about gray water is you have to get it out to the plants immediately, like it, it has right, to go through. Right, you don't want
2: that sitting around
0: because then it becomes black water.
2: Yeah, I imagine it does.
0: So I think that's it. A combination of getting the plants to a good size before you uh, install them. Before putting them out. Protecting. And, and by the way, the diatomaceous earth in your dry climate would be excellent uh, to sprinkle around the plant as well, kind of like a a thin mulch of it, uh, because the ants can't can't cross over that stuff. They are soft-bodied, and it would rip them up. Yeah,
2: they're busy little guys, I'll tell you.
0: They are the ant and the grasshopper. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, and uh, be clever in the ways you harvest water. But I think starting them early and transplanting them out, and then playing rope a dope with all those sunflower heads you've been saving, I I think you won't I'm have any. I'm gonna
2: lure them away. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> so good, and I'll, put I'll some at
2: a breadcrumb trail for them.
0: Uh, put some. No, then they would follow it back. You're missing the point. Oh. No, they'll oh, oh, find okay. it. Don't trust me. And uh, put some water out um, because that'll attract okay. them as well. Okay?
2: Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. All right.
0: You. Well, good luck to you and uh, happy holidays.
2: Happy holiday to you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Andy, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you for having me. I've been Norman, Oklahoma. All right. What can we do you for, Andy?
1: So, Um, two years ago, I put in my first raised bed and
0: Mm -hmm. I was really happy
1: with the results. And so I put in two more raised beds this year Mm -hmm. and the two raised beds I put in this year performed really, really well. But the raised bed from the year before, my plants literally like were emaciated and dying. I had to transplant them out of that first raised bed and into the second two. And so now that I'm at the end of the harvest season and I have my but it's empty I wanted to know what I really needed to do to prepare them for next spring so that all three were productive
0: okay let's start with what did you fill them with
1: the first year I used uh, just a hodgepodge of organic uh, dirts and um, and fertilizers and the second year I bought two square tons of um zoo compost from our local door and that really worked
0: out fantastic zoo compost
1: yeah if we have from the oklahoma city zoo it's just compost that they collect from the zoo
0: i forget which uh zoo uh was one of the first to actually brand theirs they called it zoo doo. and oh, that's fantastic and it was almost all elephant poop which is highly fibrous
1: I couldn't tell you. It was a pretty good mix match of, uh, of dirts, and it wasn't hot. And um, I pretty much took my seedlings straight into it, and they, they did just fine.
0: That's great. Um, so, you know, your mistake. You just told me. Oh, what is it? I don't need to be Columbo with you. Um, the first bed was poorly prepared. You know, you can use organic fertilizers if you like, but you must rely on fertile soil. There's an old line in my business. Feed your soil, not your plants. So I think you just need uh, another load of do. People misunderstand the concept of manures. It's not just the stuff the animal was done with. It's always mixed with bedding. There's always straw to keep the floors clean or, you know, something like that. So the bedding is dry brown material and the manure is wet green material, no matter what color it is. And that's a perfect combination to make good compost. And I would think there wouldn't be a lot of bird manure or horse manure in there. So it wouldn't be overly high in nitrogen. It sounds like the perfect combination. So, okay. working backwards, your two newer beds, um, yes, I would add a fresh inch or two inches of uh, your Zoodoo.
1: Okay. Yeah, it was a real hodgepodge of different bags of stuff until I got to the full height of my bed, because I made a really deep bed. It ended up, up
0: being uh, about uh, 16 inches deep. Oh, that's inches. perfect. That's absolutely perfect. Um I would get rid of at least half of it and spread it around other plants or give it to okay. some unsuspecting person walking by. And then uh, don't mix it up, but add um, fresh um, zoo manure on top. Right
1: on the top and don't mix it in. Just like No,
0: no, you don't want to start that level. You're okay. going to start having seed uh, weed seed problems if you do that.
1: All right. Wonderful. I really appreciate your time. I enjoy listening to your show. Thank you for your help.
0: Thank you. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and alert all of you who listen to our show via your local radio station, podcast, internet stream, or other audio-only method that you might just want to watch the video version this week. Just visit our website and click on the current Christmas gift edition of our TV show. Lots of surprises, so you won't be disappointed. And if you are, just keep it to yourself, okay? I'm visual Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in the Christmas City of Bethlehem, PA. Welcome back to a very special holiday episode of You Bet Your Garden. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, coming to you from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in the Christmas city of Bethlehem, PA. You already heard my book recommendations for gifts coming up later in the show other stuff you can give. Um, I know I would be happy to receive any of it, but please don't send it to me. I got everything already. Okay. And we're going to take more of your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Marissa, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Marissa. How are you doing?
4: I'm doing well in uh, West Springfield, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C.,
0: Boy, I know that area really well.
4: We we are the bottom of the mixing
0: bowl. <laughs> oh god, the hated mixing bowl. Yes.
3: <laughs> oh,
0: people around the world, in other countries and other parts of uh, our country have no idea. This is a combination of like 18 highways that joins together weirdly and they actually have a giant cake batter making machine that mixes you up and shoots you <laughs> off at the wrong exit
4: we, we have a joke that says that only virginians know how to navigate the mixing bowl and the moment you move away they change it,
0: <laughs> uh, it it's always been under construction when i've been there mm-hmm. and i was there uh, for like 23 years <laughs> all right what can we do for you
4: Okay, so um, every Mother's Day, we have a tradition. I've now been a mom for almost 12 years, um, where we go to our local gardening center, and we like to joke, I literally get crap for Mother's Day, because we go and we buy lots of compost,
3: Mm -hmm. and then
4: we go and we buy a whole bunch of seedlings, vegetable seedlings, uh, tomatoes, peppers, you know, whatever whatever they have. Mm -hmm. Um, And the tradition being that we then go and we plant them on Mother's Day, assuming the weather's well, or later that week. Um, and we start our vegetable garden. Um, for most of my years gardening, I've been quasi successful. I wouldn't really call myself very successful at vegetable gardening. Um, we had a deer problem for a while and then a squirrel problem, um, but we managed to adjust for that. And then this year, I actually followed a lot of your advice. I made the tomato cages um, the way that you recommended. Um, I've been watering the way you had recommended. Um, and I for tomatoes and especially peppers, I got incredible, incredible growth. Like the tomato plants were like seven feet tall. Um,
0: That's great.
4: And the pepper plants were, were doing, you know, we're producing a lot of green peppers, um, but they were yellow bell and red bell plants. mm mm-hmm. Um. But I never really got a lot of, I never got a bounty. Like, you know, I have neighbors who would like, you know, be able to make tomato sauce with all their tomatoes. And like my, I got five tablespoons of tomato sauce. Um, I couldn't get like a lot at one time. Really? Okay. Um, now yeah.
0: now you're growing in raised beds? Yes. And uh, what are the raised beds filled with?
4: Um so I was doing a little I was I was influenced a little bit by the square foot gardening, so it was um peat moss, uh, compost and vermiculite.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, the late Mel Bartholomew had mm-hmm. his famous Mel's Mix. Um, a dear friend of mine, we got along great, but we disagreed a little bit on the contents of the mix. The problem I have with Mel's Mix is he's got too much lightning, lightning, lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. He has too many ingredients that are in there that lighten the soil, and not really enough nutrients. Plus, milled peat moss is highly acidic, and if you actually add it to your garden beds, you need to temper it with agricultural lime or wood ash. So if the beds are already made, and you say it's peat moss, compost, and vermiculite, right? Mm-hmm. Have you added anything to bring the pH up? No. Okay. So I think you're going to uh, be excitedly happy. Uh, you'll need to add uh, wood ashes are actually the best thing to raise your pH. Um, they contain a lot of extraneous nutrients in addition to their um pH raising powers, So you won't be so acidic. You want to get to 6.5 or 7. You may want to Mm -hmm. go out and and buy a pH tester. What what do you do every year um, to freshen up the beds?
4: I add more compost.
0: To the top?
4: To the top, yeah.
0: Or do you turn it?
4: I mean, I I rake it over. I don't do any serious turning. Okay,
0: good. No, that's fine. And uh, what kind of compost? Where are you getting it?
4: Merrifield Gardens is the big garden center
0: by us. Yeah, I know Mm Merrifield. And uh, what kind of compost is it, though? Is it? Um,
4: It's
0: leaf grow. Oh, sure. Leaf grow. That's from uh, Maryland. Maryland collects all of their leaves and makes this wonderful product. Yes, that's an excellent choice.
3: Good.
0: Um, I think really all you got to do is adjust your pH. This is easy peasy. Uh, Does anybody in your neighborhood or perhaps you use a wood stove in the winter?
4: Uh, Not nearby that I'm aware of.
0: Okay. Maybe you can get on one of these neighborhood websites Mm -hmm. and see if anybody has a wood stove because uh, they have a lot of ashes to get rid of and this is the best use for hardwood ash. And if you can't find it, uh, just uh, buy Agricultural Lime at Murrayfield and okay so and,
4: agricultural lime if we about to buy it it would be agricultural lime
0: yeah and um okay. get a good ph tester from them uh mm-hmm. talk about you know what your choices are and what they recommend um my producer said uh you originally thought you were planting too late and being depressed.
4: yeah well because cuz when i took them out like in october you know i i, I removed them in october thinking like i would want to plant some other vegetable now and I wound up with like 20 pounds of green tomatoes, which was more than I had gotten the whole season.
0: Okay, now, what variety are you growing? Um,
4: lots, of di- lots of different varieties. Like I, I would mm. just go and buy lots of different kinds. So I had like a, I had a green heirloom, I had San Marzano, I had Roma.
0: Your San Marzanos didn't ripen up?
4: I mean, well, after I picked them, they actually got ripe after about a week. Good. Um, but they were, they were tiny. But or you're always tinier than what you get in the can, so.
0: But you're planting in May. Yeah, I would not uh, first of all, the simple rule for when to plant is when it gets around the correct time for your region, and for your region, Mother's Day is a traditional time. Mm-hmm. You look at the 10-day forecast and you want to see no 30s for nighttime lows. You actually, yeah. you don't even want to see any 40s. You want mm-hmm. nighttime lows in the 50s, or they'll stunt your plants and set them back. But I think everything here is is, is pH dependent. And okay. um, yeah, and maybe, add, you know, get some gentle liquid organic fertilizer. Um, mm-hmm. A mix of fish and seaweed is great, and maybe give your plants a mid-season boost, but I think this is easy um, to fix.
4: Can I ask one other question, especially about the tomatoes? Go ahead. Um, is it so? I was doing the square foot gardening, and I have a you know I have a bunch of four by four boxes, mm-hmm. and I think, and I could be misquoting the square foot gardening, that you should be able to put four tomato plants in there. Is that yeah. too many? Am I crowding them out? Yes. Okay. Yeah.
0: In a four by four, I would plant one tomato plant in the center and surround mm-hmm. it with peppers. Mel even okay. explained that he pruned to, to achieve this. He pruned the tomatoes so heavily that he almost got no kind of a yield. OK, but he was obsessed with this square foot thing. All right. All right. All right. Go and sin no more.
4: All right. Thank you.
0: My pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Henry, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Uh, Hi, Mike. Hello, Henry. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And where is Henry doing great? I'm
5: doing great in Ambler, Pennsylvania, just north of Philadelphia.
0: And home to the first horticultural school uh, run by and designed for women in America.
5: Which one was that?
0: Temple Ambler.
5: Oh, yeah, unfortunately, they were hit with a terrible tornado.
0: Yeah, I know that uh, a lot of people were, but, uh, you know, uh, the late Bob Rodale had this theory of regeneration that you really need to endure a startling failure or have an upheaval to get better. So, you know, I'm sure the end result 10 years from now is going to be stunning. Uh, I'm sure it will be. It shakes you awake, that's for sure. All right, what can we do for Henry?
5: Well, this year I grew some Yukon gold potatoes, and I did what you suggested. I didn't mound them. I just put them in the ground. I put compost on them, and they did great. Oh, yeah. And when I harvested them, I got big ones, medium ones, and little ones. Mm -hmm. And the little ones were about an inch, an inch and a half in diameter. So I was wondering— can I save those as seed potatoes for next
0: April? What? Uh, how'd you get the potatoes you started with?
5: Oh, I did buy those as seed potatoes.
0: Okay. Uh, I am obligated to tell you um, that the experts who also advise planting potatoes in mounds, which is the foolish idea of all time, um, want you to continue buying fresh seed potatoes every year, to make sure they are not spreading uh, disease, certified disease-free potatoes. Um, But if you didn't have any problems in your garden with the potato greenery uh, turning black or with your tomatoes coming down uh, with late blight in which within days the whole plant turns black, uh, it is highly unlikely that there would be anything wrong with saving your potatoes and using those for fresh planting stock. Matter of fact, uh, my theory um, and actual uh, use with my garlic plantings is I'm always replanting uh, the biggest cloves because I now have a strain of garlic that didn't exist 20 years ago. It's totally adapted to my climate and my tender abilities. So. The same thing can be said of potatoes, but I will add that I have learned also to rotate my um, garlic from bed to bed and not follow garlic with garlic. So I would suggest the same to you um, that if, you know, you coddle your potatoes through some of them till springtime and they have good eyes on them, then I would say I would plant them, but just in a different bed. And okay, you know, plant I, I can some... see that, okay.
5: The only thing I'm noticing is some of the eyes are starting to bloom a little bit, mm-hmm. they're starting to you know,
0: well, looks like they want to grow, yeah, no, global warming, climate change, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um some of the potatoes I harvested this fall were already trying to regrow, yeah, so so first would you of recommend all keep. Yes,
5: I'm sorry. Would uh, you recommend keeping them in the refrigerator? Oh God, or? no!
0: Did you do that?
5: No, I did not.
0: No, a uh, cool, dry place. You know, okay. if you don't have a root cellar, um, plant them and mount, ma- uh, plant them. Store them in <laughs> mouse-proof containers in the coolest part of your basement. Um, uh, n- never uh, refrigerate garlic, potatoes, tomatoes. Um, it just destroys them. Now, I'm okay. going to turn your head around, because I know you want to use the little ones for replanting. Uh, yeah, they're not going to make it. They don't have oh, really. They don't have enough biomass over oh. over the time between now and planting time, they're going to lose all their moisture, and it's just going to curl up and die, whereby the largest potatoes, which is the ones you want to keep and eat, are mm-hmm. the best for replanting, again, stored in a cool, dry place, because they have that biomass uh, that the, the tubers will not start uh, to die or anything like that. Okay. And the little potatoes are cherished. Did you ever see what they charge for those in the supermarkets?
5: Uh, I, I know. I, I, yeah, I've seen them in the supermarket, but I haven't purchased them. No.
0: Eat them. Eat them. <laughs> oh, eat them. Okay. Yeah, before <laughs> they the go big, bad. The smaller yeah. they are, the earlier they're going to go bad. And um, if any of your potatoes are sprouting, uh, are all of your potatoes sprouting or just some? Just some of them. Okay. I would also use those. Uh, just cut out the eyes and mm-hmm. use them like you would regular potatoes. And okay. if they, if I'll they do can that. continue to sprout on this side, of New Year's, I would just use them and get fresh uh, yeah. certified seed potatoes.
5: Do you recommend slicing them in half or so and then, uh, you know, with eyes on each piece?
0: No, I, I plant them whole. The oh, If you okay. have a wet spring, you increase the chance of disease by having all these wounds on the potatoes. Oh, okay, I got that, yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay, well, thank you. My pleasure.
5: I I appreciate the answer.
0: You take care. Have a great day. You too. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, it's time for me to take a butter cookie break and answer the burning question. What does McGrath want this year? Here's a musical interlude that tells the sad tale. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in the Christmas city of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. ¶¶ back to another thrilling holiday special episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in the Christmas city of Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we're in the stretch now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we'll get to more recommendations of holiday gifts. But first... Let's take a couple more of your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Tracy, welcome to You Bet Your Garden.
6: Hi, Mike. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited.
0: Thank you for being had. How are you? I'm just fine. And yourself? I'm ducky. Time for. I knew you were going to say that. I know. And everybody on TV can see the ducky dance. He, oh, how exciting. He actually is battery-powered. We're trying to rewire him. Mm. <laughs> and, and and then me after that. <laughs> Where are you, Trace? I'm in Binghamton, New York. Oh, okay. Very good. What can we do you for?
6: Well, I have two questions for you. If we get to both of them, great. If not, just one's fine, too. Um, I have two raised beds in my backyard, mm-hmm. and they're pretty decent size. And every year, at the end of the year, I get advice from, you know, lots of people. Some people say, you know, you should use a cover crop. Some people say, just throw your leaves on top. And I'm just curious as to what you think is best.
0: Cover crops are an amazing and important part of large-scale organic agriculture, two kinds of cover crops, um, all of which should have been sown months ago in upstate New York. Um, One is, uh, you know, one set of different uh, plants is considered, uh, we call it winter kill. Uh, Mm -hmm. You'll put the plants in in August, which is really inconvenient because your tomatoes aren't ripe yet. And uh, they will grow to a certain height and then they will die. And then the following season, you punch holes in that mat of dead plants to plant your new plants. And that mat of dead plants prevents weeds and eventually degrades and adds nutrients to the soil. The other is much trickier. Um, these are cover crops that are planted in, the, in, again, August, September, and harvested in the spring so they don't die over winter. And it, it can get very confusing. I, I don't advocate it in a home garden unless you're a rocket scientist. Now, your other friends are wrong. You should never cover your beds with whole leaves. You should get a, a leaf blower with a reverse setting and a collection bag, shred the leaves, and then put mm-hmm. those on top of the bed. So the whole leaves would mat down. They'd get all moldy. This, yeah, this way, you've got a great covering of shredded leaves that will stay in place two inches easy. And they will prevent weeds, and they'll degrade a little bit over the winter and slowly become compost. And mm-hmm. by the time they are, it's time to collect the next year's leaves and do the same thing again.
6: So I wouldn't have to remove the shredded
0: leaves? No, no, no. You uh, Just like you punch holes in the uh, winter kill. Uh, cover, you would just move the leaves to the side. actually, you know what? I'm gonna back up on that. Uh, right. Where you are in a, a, a very cool climate, i would right. I would rake the leaves off in in March and put them okay. by and put them by the side of the bed simply to allow the sun to hit the soil and warm it up. Right then install your plants when nighttime temps will not be dipping uh, below 50 degrees, and but then put the leaves back on as uh, a protective mulch.
6: Okay, so they won't, um, like, because some people said, well, if you do that, then it's going to take away some of the nutrition from the, because it's going to be fighting to break those leaves down,
0: Mm-mm.
6: you know, the shredded leaves.
0: No that would be true okay. if wood chips were tilled into the soil okay. um, all right. but leaves although they are carbonaceous uh, they're not they're not nitrogen killers so to speak they're not going to suck okay. all the nitrogen out of your soil
6: and as far as we go uh, back to the cover crops now they say you're supposed to chop and you know you know just let them drop Well, again, you
0: you know, if you want to get into cover crops, go to our website and read all the articles on cover crops. It's it's a lot of work and it is much better done professionally where some Mm -hmm. beds can sit fallow. Okay. And that sounds great. Is that it? I'm sorry. Go ahead.
6: Well, no. I was good. I had one more question. Real quick, <laughs> if we have time. Real quick. Um. Okay. Vermicomposting. Would you, you, you know, living in Binghamton, you know, of course it gets cold, and I mm-hmm. don't want the worms to die. But at the same time, if I bring them in from the outside, I'm afraid I'm going to be bringing in some, you know, critters I don't want. You know, as far as bugs. Huh? Should I just do it from the just start on the ins in the inside of the house and just oh, yeah. inside.
0: My worm okay. bin has the only time it, my worm bin. I have a tower. The only time it goes outside is when we want to uh, go through the trays and harvest the finished compost and put some fresh garbage and uh, bedding in uh, in the top oh, one. Oh, super! No, all right, worm, great. Worm bins are always inside. All right, super. All right, Mike. Thank you so much. My pleasure. You take care. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. As always, it is now time for the question of the week. Last-minute gifts for gardeners. A You Bet Your Garden tradition at this time of year. Some of the things I'll mention can be purchased in stores, remember stores, and online. Now, we're running tight on having things in hand from online sources for the big day, but if it doesn't show up on time, you can give them a picture and a promise. Okay, let's go bullet-pointing, cats and kittens. My number one gift idea for many years has been baseball batting gloves, not your ordinary garden gloves. Batting gloves fit so tight you could pick up a dime while wearing them. Maybe. I personally can't pick up a dime without professional assistance. They come in a wide variety of sizes, youth and adult and small, medium, large, and there's an extra-large version for the adult version. Sporting goods stores should have them all in stock. Ask your gift recipient if you can trace their hand for a mysterious project you're starting. Pruners, everybody can use a new pair or several pair of pruners. Heck, even I need new pruners. Growing up, I was told that I was quote, hard on clothes, which continues to be true. Now my personal preference is Fiskars line of ergonomic pruners but there are other high-quality brands out there. Note, this is not a dollar store gift. Well, and they're a dollar and a quarter now, right? Go for high-quality no matter what the brand. Your friendly neighborhood independent garden center should have them on display. Please don't go to a big-box store. Your neighborhood garden center is as endangered as small family farms and deserves your support. Hey! What about batting gloves and pruners? Just in case you didn't think of that yourself. We move on to bigger stuff. A worm tower, no, not a worm bin. I can't comprehend how people manage a bin. How do you know when stuff is done if you're constantly adding new material? A worm tower has a base unit with a spigot and stackable trays. You fill a tray with kitchen waste No meat, no bones, and go very light on things like bread, pasta, and rice. You put some shredded newspaper on top, and new trays go on the top of the tower, and the worms below in the finished and half-finished trays migrate up. My unit is from Gardens Alive. Yes, they help support the show, but that doesn't mean they should get frozen out. And they have lots of cool stuff. Not sure if they or other online suppliers can ship the actual worms in winter, but you can get starter worms anywhere they sell live bait for fishing. Make sure you get red wigglers, the Cadillac of worms and not night crawlers. And no, it doesn't smell and they don't get loose and run all over the house, and kids love feeding the worms. No room for a worm tower and or a little too squiggly for you. Vitamix, the people who make those amazing high-end blenders, sent me a product to test early this year that, to me, is a real game-changer. I don't usually rave about new products, but the Empress Diane and I love this thing. It's called the Food Cycler. You get a heavy-duty metal bucket with a lid that has a charcoal filter in the top, and you fill it with your kitchen waste on the kitchen counter or wherever, When it's full to the indicated line, you drop it into the machine, which is roughly a square foot in size, lock the lid, and turn it on. Two massive, replaceable charcoal filters control any potential odors while the machine chops, grinds, and then dries the material, reducing it to 10% of its original size. I mix this crema compost into my potting soil and or spread it lightly around my houseplants. It's the perfect complement to my worm tower, especially when all the trays are full. Originally priced at 400 bucks, everyone who sells it now seems to have reduced it to 300 for the holidays. If that seems a bit high, you should know that Vitamix products are built like tanks. I'm still using one of their all metal high-speed blenders that I got back in the 90s. Every pint of tomato sauce we have produced in the last 30 years was blended in that classic Vitamix blender. You can buy the Food Cycler from the official Vitamix website, Amazon. What a shock, right? And a surprising number of brick-and-mortar stores for 300 including Best Buy, Mayfair, and Crate and & Barrel. A rechargeable leaf shredder. That's my next gift. Advances in battery technology have made rechargeable handheld blower vacs lighter in weight with a longer running time. Hey, now you get to go to one of those big box stores, you devil, you. Look for a unit that has a blower attachment and a different swap-out funnel for sucking up leaves. These will all come with a shoulder-held collection bag. Look for a good warranty And if you're lucky, you might find a package that has two rechargeable batteries inside. Note, some units are sold without the battery. Make sure it says, includes battery and charger. It's a great way to collect and shred your leaves without bending over. Santa says bending is for chumps. And finally, I hope what you will do at least partially with your gift list, is the same as happens in the McGrath household. Give what Mutt's creator, Patrick McDonnell, calls the gift of nothing. Make a donation to a charity in the name of your giftee. My personal preferences are local homeless shelters and your local outpost of Feeding America, a group that helps people who faced food insecurity. And we all know there's way too many of them. Well, that sure was a ton of great gift options now, wasn't it? Luckily for you, the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. To read this one over at your leisure or your leisure, just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be. Give it up, kids. You Youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden question of the week, and you will always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to porch pirate my presence. If I don't get out of this studio, we must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 888-492-9444 or send us your email. You're tired, you're poor, your wretched, refuse teeming towards our garden shore at YBYG at WLVT.org. Please include your location and don't say you're in the kitchen or something. You'll find all of this contact information at our website, youbetyourgarden.org, where you'll also find the answers to almost all of your garden questions, audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of previous shows, and our internationally renowned podcast. You bet your garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created when his parents stuffed him into an experimental rocket ship and sent him away from their supposedly doomed planet. Recent probes have confirmed that the planet is still there. Oh well, at least there's no kryptonite around. Ken Queter plays our theme music. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airways is Christine Dempsey our sound engineer is always cheerful charlie sarah our social media director is amanda Northley. check out her fine work and stay current with what's happening at the you bet your garden facebook page teresa radke is our peerless princess of profound production that's a lot of peas. you're not supposed to do that on the radio kids the always lovely Jonas Bowen is our audio editor and chief payer of attention. Judicious Jake Boyer does the video and his seconding command of paying attention. No, no, that's Teresa. Then there's Zack the then there's Jacob Morris, and some bum who stumbled in off the street. Our directorial director of direction is the harassed and harried Javier Diaz. Tim Fallon is still not our executive producer, and he ain't getting nothing for Christmas either. Maybe a card, or, ooh, ooh, a fruitcake, yes! I'm your host, Mary Mike McGrath, sending out cards, wrapping packages with the Sunday funnies, and tending the Yule log in the fireplace. What? We don't have a fireplace. Uh-oh. Hope you do better than me this holiday season. Unlike me, I hope you stay safe. Care for each other. And hey, fireperson, get my comic books out first. Uh second fireperson, can you drag out my pinball machines? What? The original Monet hanging over there? Get the action figures out first. There goes the hat. airing of your public radio, TV, and podcast shows all fall on Christmas Day. You stay home, you open presents, you eat too much turkey, lather, rinse, and repeat. I'm Mike McGrath, and on the next You Bet Your Garden, I have no idea which classic episode will repeat, so tune in and we'll both find out. That's on the next You Bet Your Garden.